getting in my workout today, so this thing's actually a lot heavier than I expected, but good morning, everyone. I want to give a special welcome to those of you who are watching in the fellowship hall, and for those of you who are also watching online, it's good for all of us, regardless of where we are uh, here today, uh, to draw together as the body of Christ. I'm going to have the ushers come up the aisles with Bibles, and whether you decide to use them to follow along with the scripture that we are doing today, or if you decide that you just want to, you know, start curling the Bible, get, you know, get a workout in for yourself, you know, the strength comes from the Lord, feel free to do that too. Because we are in the midst of a sermon series titled Spiritual Bodybuilding. And much like when you get a gym membership, it would be pointless to go to the gym and just sit in the corner and watch everyone else work out. No, you get a gym membership because you want to strengthen your body. You want to build endurance for the life to come. But in the spiritual sense of spiritual bodybuilding, the hope is that we are going to dive into spiritual gifts over these past few weeks, we've been defining what specific gifts have meant, and the hope is, is that it will prompt you into finding out what your specific spiritual gifts are, and then actually utilizing those gifts for the glory of God. And some of you here today might be thinking to yourself, I haven't really resonated with any of the spiritual gifts here today, or that we've heard about over these past few weeks. Uh, and I want to encourage you because in my own spiritual journey, I have found that there are times where I question whether I'm actually gifted or not. And maybe some of you have felt that doubt, if you will. But I want to encourage you that everyone is gifted and that we will touch on some more spiritual gifts as we move forward in this sermon series. We've got a few more weeks to be able to dive into the topic of spiritual gifts. But today we're going to transition a little bit into some gifts of proclamation, meaning that when these gifts are utilized, they're done verbally or they're done in a manner where you are communicating to other people. And specifically what we are going to work or what we're going to look at are the gifts of evangelism and the gifts of teaching. And these two gifts together uh, are meant to persuade people, are meant to explain, are meant to empower others, encourage others. And more importantly than that, evangelism and teaching are used to link people to the grander narrative, which is God's redemption plan for the world. Because we all sin and fall short of the glory of God, but as the body of Christ together, using our spiritual gifts, we are able to be Christ in the world. And so, the hope is, is to be able to dive into a little bit more about evangelism and teaching. Now, what trips us up in evangelism and teaching is that there are some things that can get in the way of those who have the gift of evangelism and those who have the gift of teaching being able to actually express those. Sometimes we shy away from using the gifts of evangelism and teaching because they look too entertaining. Uh, we get images in our mind of the street pe preacher standing on the corner, shaking his Bible in your face, asking you the question, are you saved? Or, are th or they're going and they're saying, repent or you're going to hell. And those types of messages can dissuade people 
from wanting and desiring a relationship with Jesus. And so, in order to completely avoid that pitfall, we just completely ignore it. But then there's other times where we can feel that we don't have the gift of evangelism or we don't have the gift of teaching. So, we do what's known as the bystander effect. We, just because it's not our responsibility, we're going to pass the responsibility on to someone else in that sort of bystander effect. So, because I don't have the gift of evangelism, someone else will go and evangelize. Or because I don't have the gift of teaching, someone else is going to teach. Or the other one is that we just find it awkward to evangelize or to talk about Jesus. Sure, it might be easy to talk about Jesus on a Sunday morning because He's who we worship, and He's who we talk about. And it's so easy to, when you're sitting at the table drinking coffee and chatting with your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to be able to be like, oh yeah, this is how God's working in my life. But on a Monday through Saturday, it looks a little bit different. And whenever someone brings up the topic of, well, why do you believe what you believe? Or, hey, I know you're going through a rough time. How are you getting through this rough time? Or they just see that you're a really joyful person. And so they ask you, what's the cause of your joy? And when we get to answer, we're kind of just like, yeah. And then it's just nothing more. But awkward situations can kind of find us in this place. If you want to know about an awkward situation, there was one time I was on a family vacation uh, to New York and New Jersey. Uh, My family used to take the old Dodge Caravan, which was navy blue, and we would drive the 18 hours from West Des Moines, Iowa to New Jersey, where my grandparents lived. And a lot of times on these trips, we would stop in various places along the way. And so one year, we decided that it would be fun to stop at Niagara Falls. Uh, I would highly recommend going to Niagara Falls. It's a beautiful place, beautiful scenery, and not to mention, you can cross off that you went to another country because there's the Canadian side and the American side. So we were on the Canadian side, and we were having a wonderful vacation until there was a night where little Kevin was not feeling too well. And so I'm sitting here, I'm holding my stomach, I'm not eating my dinner, and... If I'm not eating, you know something's up. And my parents could tell that something was up with me, but they just assumed that I was just being a crabby little, uh, little kid. And so they're just saying, you know, knock it off. Knock it off. Quit being so crabby. Or my brothers would say, quit being a dork or anything like that. But it was like, no, I'm actually sick. Now, I don't know if it was because of the 46 chicken nuggets I had for lunch or if it was just something in my body just decided that it wanted to feel sick. So as we are leaving dinner, it all of a sudden hits me. And when it hits you, most sensible children would run to the nearest garbage can and do what they need to do. But not being one of those sensible children, rather than running to the garbage can, I ran to the railing that divides the people from the actual Niagara Falls, and so I run over, and I put my hands on the railing, and to put this delicately, I did my best impersonation of Niagara Falls that time. And so when there is a kid who is doing that, of course it's going to draw a crowd. And so that makes it awkward. But then to make matters even more awkward was someone who out of nowhere exclaimed, Ah! He's possessed! (laughs) So apparently not only 
Am I, you know, doing my best impersonation of Niagara Falls, but apparently I'm also casting out a demon. So, so much awkwardness there. And in that awkward tension, we sometimes don't really know what to do or what to say next. And so, what we are going to dive into today with teaching and evangelism is how do we break through that awkwardness? How do we utilize evangelism in teaching in the best manners possible? So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Acts chapter 8. It's on page 1606 for those of you who have the Quest Bible. And we are going to learn about a story, a story that tells about someone who used the gifts of evangelism and the gifts of teaching to be able to make an impact on someone's life. So let me begin by reading Acts chapter 8, verses 26 through 28. So it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah, the prophet. Before we get any further into this story, we need to understand some background to set up this situation. Because first, we have Philip, who was your average Phil, if you will. With Philip, he was not one of the ones chosen to be a person to proclaim the gospel or to be in prayer. That was up to the other apostles who were in Jerusalem. There's a story earlier in the book of Acts where this choosing of the seven happens because the apostles who were doing the ministering and who were doing the praying, they had too many responsibilities on their hands. And so they needed to distribute responsibilities of service to others. And so Philip was one of those, meaning that Philip wasn't necessarily the first choice to be the evangelizer or the teacher, if you will. And I hope that serves as an encouragement for all of you today to know that if you feel that you have the gift of evangelism or that you have the gift of teaching, that you don't have to be an ordained pastor to go out and evangelize. You don't have to have gone through seminary in order to preach the good news of the gospel or to teach people about the Bible. If you feel that stirring, then you know that you are allowed to use it. You have the freedom within the Holy Spirit to be able to do that. The only qualification that you need is working alongside the Holy Spirit. But I'll get to that in a little bit. Because the other side, the other person who's involved with this situation is an Ethiopian eunuch, okay, a person of high status, working with the queen, being a part of the Kendake. And so you've got average Phil and high status Ethiopian eunuch, and right there, there could be some socioeconomic differences that could create some awkwardness. But even though there was that difference, and even though there was maybe a little bit of difference in culture, what was similar is that there was a need that the Ethiopian eunuch had. See, he feared the Lord. He loved the Lord. He wanted to worship. And his expression of worship was making a pilgrimage to Jerusalem, making that journey all the way from Ethiopia to Jerusalem to worship. 
But there was a problem. See, the problem was is that in Jewish temple worship, there was an inner circle and there was an outer circle. And the inner circle was reserved for the Jewish people, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the law-abiding Jews, if you will. The outer circle was meant for the Gentiles who were curious about worshiping and, was, and were curious about Judaism. And so this Ethiopian eunuch, he's a person that feared the Lord and he desired to worship, but he could never actually have the full experience of worship because he was a part of the outer circle. But going back to Philip, what we don't know is that Philip was a disciple of Jesus, meaning that he followed Jesus. He was with Jesus, and so he learned from him. And that personal experience that he was able to have is going to serve him really well to meet this need of the Ethiopian eunuch. So moving on in the narrative, the Spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Right here, we get a glimpse into the gift of evangelism. People who have this gift, they're in tune with the Holy Spirit. They're able to feel a nudge or hear a voice, and they don't just do nothing with it, they actually act upon it. So for some of you, maybe you've had those moments where you've had a gut feeling about something, or you had like a little tickle behind your ear, or you've had chills run down your spine, or you have a stirring or a burning desire in your heart. It's the Holy Spirit prompting you. And so people with the gift of evangelism, they don't even think twice. They just act, and they trust that the Holy Spirit will guide them. And sure enough, in Philip's case, the Holy Spirit was the one who said, hey, go talk to that guy who's riding in the chariot. Sure, his posse looks intimidating, but I've got a purpose here. And so Philip runs up, and he's asking the questions, and there is a naturalness to it. He's not forcing his way into the situation. He's acting in line with the Holy Spirit in order to build a relationship, but also to answer this eunuch's question. He needs someone to explain. And this is where the gift of teaching comes in. So moving on in the narrative, verse 32, this is the passage of Scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. In general, when we talk about spiritual gifts, they don't always have to be isolated from one another, meaning that someone may have the gift of hospitality, but that doesn't mean they only have the gift of hospitality. No, a lot of times there's some overlap where multiple gifts of the Spirit work together in furthering the kingdom of God. And in this case, we have the gifts of evangelism and the gifts of teaching working together. Now, what separates out the gift of teaching 
from the gift of evangelism. The gift of evangelism is very specifically about sharing the good news of the gospel, whereas teaching can be about anything in the Scriptures. And teaching is a lot more about explanation. And being able to listen to something that somebody says or hearing a question that somebody asks and then being able to articulate it in a way that makes sense. So there are a lot of times where these two gifts of the Spirit overlap. And people who have the gift of teaching, they're able to be intentional when answering questions. And what I mean by intentional is that they hear what the person's asking and they don't try and offer this like, broad answer that doesn't really get at the question, or they don't try and, like, make up an answer in order to avoid the actual question. They actually take the question and, re like, rehearse it back to the person and then take that question head on. So, in this case, the eunuch asks Philip, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? And Philip was intentional. He took that exact passage that the eunuch was reading and was able to answer the question using that. It's a strategy in teaching that can be really effective for those who have the gift of teaching. And it's the strategy of being able to make connections between grand big ideas or ver and very specific ideas, or vice versa. And when I think about someone who has these wonderful gifts of teaching, I think of Pastor Angie when she preaches on Sunday. Now, I know what you're thinking that yes, she's a pastor, but I think even before she was a pastor, she's always had these gifts of teaching. If you notice in her Sunday sermons, she uses a lot of different scripture verses, like some that are from the Old Testament, but then some from the Gospels, and then some, one from the letters to, that Paul wrote, and they all kind of seem isolated, but then all of a sudden, as she's talking, as she's explaining, she's able to take the specifics and then weave them together to make this grand idea. Or the opposite, she'll take the grand idea and be able to break it down for all of us to make sense of it. That's what teaching is, is being able to do either or and being able to utilize that for the glory of God. So Philip is teaching, and then this is what happens as a result of his teaching and his evangelism. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about, preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. So we get this evangelism, then teaching, and now we're back to the gifts of evangelism. Because when those people with the gifts of evangelism, they're able to trigger a response. They're able to get people to shift perspectives on something. And, then, and it's something that they're not always going to be 100% perfect on it, but they're going to be pretty darn good at being able to get a response out of somebody. And so Philip through this gift of the Spirit, was able to have someone baptized, and they were able to go out and they were to, able to rejoice because of the good news of the gospel. See, the good news of the gospel is what changes the heart. And when I think about someone who has 
the gift of evangelism, whether they know it or not, I think about Mark Triplett. I think about a man who, every single time I see him, he doesn't just have to say words. Okay? He doesn't have to say words. All he has to do is he just has to smile at you. Or he gives you like a, how you doing? And when you look at him, you just, you just know that something's different about him. And it's not like a, oh, something's different about him. I'm going to try to avoid him at all costs. It's, no, something's different about him, and I want to know what's, what's so different about him. I want to know how he's so joyful all the time, it seems like. I want to know what gives him life. And the thing about Mark is that he's ready to tell you right away, without hesitation. That's the sign of the gift of evangelism, is that these people, they, hear the, they feel the nudges, they hear the voice, and they're ready. They don't hold back from sharing the good news of Jesus. And he's unashamed about that. There was a White Bear Press newspaper fun little thing at the beginning around Thanksgiving time, and it was, what are you thankful for? And, he's, and his wife were sh- holding up a sign, and it said, we're thankful for Jesus, or something along those lines. We're thankful for Jesus. Most of the time, people would just be like, we're thankful for family, or we're thankful for this other aspect, but no, we're thankful for Jesus, and we're unashamed about that. That's the type of person that Mark is, and he's persuasive in that. His story is riveting. His story about how he was able to come to know Jesus intimately, there's a persuasiveness about that, meaning that he could come up to you, and if he was trying to sell you on a cruise to Iowa, he could do it. Or if he was talking to a cow and was trying to sell the cow a burger, he could do it because that's just who Mark is. And he's not doing it for show. This isn't an entertainment thing for Mark. He does it all for the glory of God. You can see it, because that's where his joy comes from. And even though we highlight people who have these specific gifts of evangelism and teaching, what we have to understand is that we are all called to witness for the good news of the gospel. It's at the heart of what 1 Peter 3.15 is all about. Be ready to give an account of your faith. Now, it might not necessarily be through the gifts of evangelism or the gifts of teaching, but it could be through the gift of hospitality, or it could be through the gift of generosity, or it could even be through the gift of the interpretation of tongues. Regardless of whatever spiritual gift it is, we all have to be ready. We all have to give an account, and we all have to do this with kindness, and we all have to do this with humility because it's all for the glory of God, and it's all to show that we are united, distinct, but united in the body of Christ, which also tells us something. It can be scary to utilize our spiritual gifts, and there are times where we may fail at using our spiritual gifts, but that doesn't mean we just completely shut down That doesn't mean we just say, you know what, I've used my spiritual gifts enough, I'm going to tap out and never use them again. No, be encouraged that you are gifted and that there will be times, yes, that you will fail. But the good news is that there is grace. There is grace in this. It's at the heart of this congregation, community of grace, 
I love how we say it all the time in the contemporary space. It's who we are and who we are yet to become. And so when we're interacting with all of these different spiritual gifts, have some grace, but encourage one another. Don't be afraid of utilizing those gifts. And so today, if you feel like you have those gifts of evangelism, or if you feel like you have that burning desire to teach people, don't ignore that. Don't be afraid to use it because you're not alone in this. You have the Holy Spirit to guide you, and the Holy Spirit will put you in those situations to where you're not forcing anything on anybody, but you are naturally being an outpouring of Christ's love to the world. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you call us special and that you call us your own. We thank you that you have gifted us with various spiritual gifts. And Lord, I pray that today people would be encouraged to know that they are gifted. And for those, Lord, that you have placed it on their hearts that they do have the gifts of evangelism and they do have the gifts of teaching, Lord, dispel any fear that they have of proclaiming your name to those around them. Lord, be with them. Continue to have your Holy Spirit guide them. And for those who may not feel like they have the gift of evangelism or the gift of teaching, Lord, continue to be with them. Continue to help them to discern what it is that they are gifted in. And Lord, through all of these spiritual gifts, may we be reminded that these gifts aren't about us, but that they're about proclaiming your name to the world and being light for a world that is full, full of darkness. Lord, we love you so much that you care for us and that you look after us and that you bring us in on your plan to bring redemption to this world. Lord, it's all glory, honor, and praise to you. And it's in your most precious and holy name that we pray. Amen.